Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace. Thank you for taking time out of your morning to join us. And if you're watching later, thank you for taking any time to jump in and listen. Uh, I hope these programs give you encouragement. I hope we're covering topics that help your faith grow and mature. And maybe even help your faith wrestle through some tough questions. We haven't got all the answers, but we're all still growing in grace. I remember a time where I thought I had the answers. Like, I really thought, okay, I got this grace thing. I, I've, I've got it figured out. Nice. Okay, I can do this for the rest of my life. I've, I've hit the mountaintop. <laughs> and... Well, guess what? <laughs> There's more learning and growing to do, and uh, I found that out. So it's been, I'd say, a good 20 years of first learning my identity in Christ. And then I think the last <clears throat> 10 years has been widening what that looks like and maturing in that. And then the last five years have been a much deeper, deeper dive into um, what the inclusive love of God really means, that maybe his love's even bigger than I was told. And it's like peeking through a, a window or opening a door and stepping into the universe and go, oh my goodness, how am I going to explain this? That That's where I'm at. And I love it. So, and it also keeps me teachable. There are perspectives that uh, I never would have entertained at least listening to, uh, or opinions that I would have said, no, that's a flat out no. They're just flat out wrong. And now I, I think there's room to even have conversations and listen to things that you may believe are fully wrong, but maybe you'll grow an understanding of how they've arrived at their position, which is really important. In the same way, I would want others to take time to understand how I've arrived at my conclusions at this moment or where I'm at on my journey. Um, so I think that's, that's kind of cool. It's kind of made me more, a little more teachable. Uh, I thought it was, but there's much more, and I still have more to grow in that. This morning, we've got a great uh, interview conversation with uh, Bill Thrasher and Richard Murray as we do the last discussion of the journey of awakening, uh, digging into identity, what it means. Uh, last week was part two, or part one of this one, even though it's a four-part. We, we do two-part uh when we sit to do our chats, we try to do two halves. It's just easier to do, and it's time-consuming. So maybe once every two weeks we'll record, and um, it's, it's been kind of fun. But this last half and the final of the four, I think you're going to really like. And later we're going to get into some other uh, key topics. We've I had a little notepad here of some of the things we're gonna get, going to get into. Prayer is one of them. Um, you know, We're going to talk about... Uh, uh, different key difficult texts in the scriptures, um, how do we understand them better, uh, at least open it up so that it's not so impossible to understand. It'll still require mystery. So if you're watching, say good morning. Uh, 
and uh, I'm watching live with you through this interview. So I'm sitting here with you watching, and I'll interact with your comments as best I can, and then I'll come back on at the end um, and kind of chat through what we just heard. So I love rehearing it like this because when I'm actually hosting the interview, um, I'm in it, but to remember where stuff went, hearing it a second time is so helpful. So let's dig right in. Enjoy this uh, a really, really good conversation. Here we go. All right, we're going to continue our conversation on uh, not, uh, well, this this unveiling of who we really are. And last time we were talking about some of the hindrances that uh, get in the way, some false beliefs that enter us. Um, we, we attach things to ourselves that are never meant to be attached to us, sin patterns, you name it, all that stuff. Um, we don't, we don't need that. So what I, what I'm hoping to do is talk through how can we live this out and what have we learned along the way so far? Um, I think Bill, you were talking about, um, the, the joy of living life has become better and better, but now we're, we're seeing that sometimes people's theology or their head knowledge becomes so great. Where's their life? Like, where's their living? Where's the joy? Like, it's gotta have some joy to it or, it's just a system and I don't want to ever get caught in that. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a perfect, you know, way of teeing it up. Just before we we actually did another session, I guess that probably replayed the week before this. Um, but then we took a small break and then Mike's like, okay, I gotta go pee. And then Richard pulled across the street and he had to run into the bathroom and pee too. And the funny thing is we have these little moments of levity and lightheartedness between the three of us. And I hope a lot of that comes across anybody that watches no and there's a reason Mike because one of the things that I've, I've, I've seen as a trend and, and something that is a filter that's growing for me personally with people who I want to be connected to and draw new refreshed insight from uh, in this journey of, of life and love and and and, um, and grace is is people who have it's really interesting people who have a lightheartedness and a joy about them. And it's interesting. You can have people inside that institutional church, more than likely not in leadership, people who are growing in whatever faith, who have this, you know, vitality, who have this uncontainable, just, just, you want to, again, if you're having a party, is that somebody you want to bring over? Is that somebody you would just love hanging out with because they just, they bring an energy and a positivity and a, and a, and a, you know, this um, charisma, charisma, right? To, to any situation. Jesus had that. Jesus was known for that. He just, he lit up a room. It seems like every time people just gravitated to him. One of the things I actually shared with Richard, the other, I think I commented on one of your things is, I think it's in Luke seven, Jesus is dining with Pharisees. You know, we act like he was always a jerk to them. But even in, in this one, he's dining with them. And yeah, this lady comes over, washes their feet. They get a little bent out of shape about it. And he kind of checks them and puts them in their place. But think about it. He's sitting down, reclined, laughing, probably having a glass of wine with a bunch of pastors, effectively. Right. And we know he did the same thing with sinners. He was accused of being a drunken and a glutton, drunkard and a glutton, um, because he obviously was just comfortable and we were talking about this right at the end of our last session with, with being unconscious of his being in sin or out of sin. He mm -hmm. wasn't worried about that. He was just literally living in that you moment. You mean we're overthinking about, this? 
Don't worry about the bird. The birds don't worry about what they're going to eat tomorrow. Be like the birds. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to look like. You know, he, he, he's trying to get us out of our own baggage, so to speak. Mm. And, and one of the things that I've seen, and again, you, I'll, I'll shut up now, is inside of even quote unquote deconstruction, grace, whatever, people can get so uptight about their own theological paradigms or the, the problems in this world and how we need to fix them and the politics around them. And man, they just become sticks in the mud. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I think we need, I think we need to be lighthearted again and joyful again and, and not as, I don't want to say not as concerned because that's not the right word, but not as dogmatic. Yeah. Not be jerks. Yeah. <laughs> simple as that like not be jerks I mean, but just- loving people uh, who express an authentic love for others they don't have to be told how to behave they're going to live a loving life and the love of christ is going to come out of them so in fact <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I gotta say this now but i read a book called the purpose-driven church years ago and i actually sent it to my church i'm in now before i was even hired and say read this if you don't like it you won't like me but i said that about the book grace walk too <laughs> so but this book um i thought the purposes were so good the, the, the they had five things the church has to do in order to be effective and grow worship fellowship as in you have to go to church discipleship you have to learn and grow ministry you have to serve and mission you have to do evangelism so these were the five things and then i knew there's some value to them but it didn't fit this message of grace the way i was growing it's in not traditional time. at least right no so i put them on the back burner just like topic of hell and end times and all that stuff and then i realized that those five things are actually the natural overflow of the uh, spirit and abiding in christ we don't have to be told to do them and and have a chart on how to do these things which then has people asking, well, then what does it look like? How, how can we do these things effectively? Because some people are asking, do I go to church? Shouldn't I? Should I quit? What do I do? That could be fun to talk about. How does worship work? Well, it doesn't always happen in a church. Trust me. Um, what about growing? It doesn't have to happen the same way. Serving. How about serve the people in the Lions Club or downtown or something? Why, why does it have to be a church program? Uh, and then evangelism, which is, what is that? Manipulation? the good news. It's your it good is. news, not a manipulated program to get people to come to church. Yeah. yeah. So being, people are asking. Being how the do you... feet of good news. That's all evangelism. The word means is being the feet of good news. That's it. Yeah, I, I think I think the key word is organic. Mm. You know, it, it's just uh, we, we life in the spirit. You know, Jesus said, you know, if you're born of the spirit uh, or born from above, however you want to say it. But if you're born of the spirit, you don't know where you're coming or where you're going. It's like the wind. You know, and so there's a there's a control we're supposed to forfeit when we're young in the faith. You talk about, you know, the child earlier, mm-hmm. you know, young man or whatever, the child and then the father, uh, the, the different things. I, I think that the father in those things just becomes more and more organic and less mm-hmm. and less dogmatic. Yes, we, we, we become dogmatic when we don't when we when we have all these gaps that we don't understand and we want to bring order to our gaps instead of just allowing for the gaps. You know, there are gaps we see, we see darkly. Okay. But having said that we do see, you know, so let's focus on what we do see understanding that tomorrow we may see it differently and we may see it better. We may see it from a different angle and that's okay. That's part of the growth thing. And, and um, I, I think again, you know, the, the, the goal is that we not be 
is that we not be self-conscious. I really believe that's the goal of, of walking in the spirit is that we're so Christ conscious that we don't have doctrines in the sense that we're talking about to fill in every gap. So we try to control, we try to control everything because we have, we have systematized it. The more you systematize something, the more it generally dies in the spirit. It does. Our our orthodoxy actually becomes a, a a brand of unorthodoxy. (laughs) Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just learning to live and not, and not think about yourself. It's the greatest deliverance of all. I think I said it last week, we were talking about the servant, you know, the unprofitable servant where, you know, where, where the guy says to Jesus, Hey, I'm, I just do what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I, this is, this is, I don't even think about it in those terms. It's okay to learn new ways to think, to not think about yourself, you know, and, if, and, and I know, you know, when I'm my pettiest, it's because I'm thinking of myself mm. and, and, and when I'm, when I'm not, I'm not even aware, you know, in other situations when I'm being generous or being, I guess I, I don't even think about it, but I know there are those, but I don't yeah. even think in those terms. I'm just doing what I ought to be doing. We're just doing, we're doing this today because, hey, it's no big. We do it because we we, we, we feel the need to, and we ought to be doing it. Is it, possible, I, is it possible that people have become used to a mentor, teacher, pastor, somebody being the ones to dictate what to do, and they've not learned to live by the Holy Spirit? Oh, yeah, and, and to please them. And, and the idea that I, my, 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 my disciple must, I must please my disciple or, you know, uh, my mentor, I must please them. And it's their approval instead of the approval, which comes from Christ. You know, if people would just be touched by the pleasure of God, that there's nothing like it. I know y'all feel the same way when you feel God's pleasure on something, there's nothing like it. And that's what we seek. That's, that's the not made with hands. That's the city not made with hands that we seek. That we would be led by, you know, it's the it's on the chariots of fire movie. If y'all have ever seen that Olympic movie, but Eric Liddell is the runner in that, and you know, you know, you know that he know he's going to win the race when he throws his head back and looks up at the heavens. You know, he when he's struggling, he's just looking ahead. But he'll do this thing where he where he just throws his head up, and they ask him why does he do that, and he said because I feel the pleasure of God. Wow. When I have that, and I just you know that that's just all all that that's the pearl of great value in the thing. And all these other things are not, they don't even consider feeling the Lord's uh, pleasure or his prompting presence, you know, but that's the payoff on the thing. And, and when do you, I mean, somebody wrote this the other day, but I mean, we've all three said this before. I think it was Paul, uh, Siddell, my friend, uh, if y'all he does the cave, uh, but I mean, he, you know, he was talking about, uh, you never hear the, the deconstructionists. A lot of them ever talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity. <laughs> and I mean, Jesus is being evicted from the Trinity. The Holy Spirit's not even being remembered, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, I'm going to make, I'm, I'm going to make Mike mad. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to delegitimize the role of pastor. Right. You're but not going to make reality, me mad. Any pastor who's not trying to work himself out of a job isn't really a good pastor, <laughs> right? I, I would not have said that a couple of years ago, <laughs> <laughs> right? But yeah, and, and, and I, and when you said that, it brought me to the verse in uh, Matthew 23, uh, around verse eight. You know, it says, Don't let, let anyone call you rabbi, for you only have one teacher, yeah. you know, for all you are equal as brothers and sisters, and don't address anyone here as on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher because you only have one teacher, the Messiah. Mm. The greatest among you must be a servant, right? 
isn't that amazing though? And then you go even back into where he's like talking about the good shepherd and you know, the shepherds hear my voice and there's other, that shepherd and pastor are effectively the same word. And it's not that we can't have teachers. It's not that we can't have mentors. It's not that we can't, but I think the essence here is worse that the whole point of that, even discipleship, and I talked about this, I think last time we talked or which had been a couple of weeks ago was that idea of the word disciple and its essence is really just a confused person who's, who, who recognizes the beauty of Jesus, mm-hmm. but they know they're, they're basically a pretty, you know, unformed lump of clay and they need to be shaped. And, and you, the disciples, hey, listen, scripture talks about becoming fully formed. Exactly. And, and, and disciple is not the end goal, right? Disciple is a part of the process. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to lead us to this place of maturation. And again, in this case, and again, I don't get tied up, don't get tied up on the, the labels, but all those disciples became apostles ultimately, right? They were professors, they were experts in the in the goodness of God. Disciple was their student. They, they were they they were a student, and then they became the professors, right? And we're supposed to all, every one of us, you, me, uh, I'm not Mike, he's He's a professor with students trying to help them become professors too. And, and so many churches, I think, are stuck in this model where they want to have students who are perpetual students hmm. and never graduate. Let's call the system. And, and, and you know, pay for their tuition. Hey, can I tell you <laughs> something cool? Can I tell you something really cool? I, 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 because of my exposure as a fire department chaplain, because I love chaplaincy, a funeral home chaplain, and then now long-term care home chaplain, I've come to see a pattern and I kind of started talking with my leadership team about this and anybody else will listen quietly. Um, I'd rather see the church I'm pastoring become chaplains where they're the chaplain at the grocery store. They're a chaplain of love wherever they are. It's not about creating a church program and go send them out. I think this is about being the walking presence, like equip them. Like I don't mind pastoring if I'm an equipper then keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll quit as long as I can, you know, but if it's about a system and growing, like Jesus has got to grow this baby or he can kill it. Yeah. Making people dependent on your expertise yes. to find the Bible. Yes. That's not your job. No. I've told people, don't listen to me. Double, go look it up yourself. But you're unique yeah. in that regard. So many other pastors do have this, you know, element of creating dependence underneath them who come to them for spiritual guidance expertise they're the god expert you're kind of the second tier down you know you haven't graduated and honestly we're gonna make you go through really heavy lift to ever want to graduate and maybe a select few get to do it by and large the congregation never graduates that was never the message of jesus in fact jesus went and found the most unexpected people the most unqualified socially speaking people tax collectors fishermen zealots and he equipped them to be the next professors, right? And that, that's, that's remarkable. It really is. Well, they were all non-systematized. When you exactly. look at it from that point, they, they, were, they were all rough, you know, uh, earthy, visceral guys. And uh, they weren't polished, you know, and uh, by institutional. Um, uh, they weren't the Pharisees, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that a stunning, a- that's a stunning kind of thing for sure. It really is. And, you know, and, and when we think about it in today's terms, uh, you know, it is it is ironic how, how we've kind of recreated, <laughs> you know, a system 
and we we institutionalize people around a system and make them become dependent on the system. And that's definitely not the purpose of those five things you were talking about, where they worship. <laughs> you know, worship is not a group of musicians sitting on a stage singing and then a congregation watching a bunch of other people sing kind of with bad and we raise our hands and you know we have worship that's not worship like now i don't want to say that can't be worship right but that in and of itself is not all that worship is i go to work i do a good job today i pat my buddy on the back and said man we killed it and let's go play some ping pong in our warehouse because it's 4 30 and we both had a really cruddy day and we're playing ping pong and laughing worship mm-hmm. how's that worship love yeah i always i always uh love yeah. bruce lee thing about the fist where he uh was studying the fist and when he says when he first started he studied the fist and it's the most complex it's got the most bones you know of any other part of our body and it's so intricate and balanced he studied it for years and years and years to understand it from every angle and then he finally hit an epiphany when it was over with uh, well, he, he I left out the first thing. The first thing, he, he, when he first started, he said, a fist is just a fist. Then he goes through this years of training about what the fist is. And then at the end of it, his epiphany is, a fist is just a fist. You know, <laughs> so, the point being, he had crossed that field of complexity and systematic, yeah. uh, you know, institutionalizing the hand. And they said, yeah. it's just a fist to be used. You know, and he was free because he had he had separated himself from the need to intricately label everything about it. And boy, I tell you, I mean, I've, I've shared this sounds so before, familiar. I, I used to have a verse for every sentence I would say. You know, I was I was like, you know, uh, I'm embarrassed to think back on it now. I couldn't say anything without quoting a passage. You know, and uh, and then I learned one day. You know what? really the lord wants us to paraphrase scripture he doesn't want us to quote it he wants us to paraphrase it because that means we've owned it that means we understand it the spirit of it i like this so then, richard so better then, yeah so then i i just i just piece them together i just glue them together let them come out and hopefully the paraphrases you know have his presence on them and if they don't well i'll i'll i struck out i'll i'll come back to bat in a few times you know i'll get back up to bat you know but i mean it's just it's, like, it's that loose grip thing. We just are so tight with our grip on our religion. And the or tighter we grip it, the, yeah, it. Yeah. It's the open hand where You're let right. God put Amen. it in and take out and quit Amen. trying to hang on to stuff. Because I think I, I, when I was more legalistic, even though I was still gracious, but I had a legalism that I didn't know I had and because I, I had to be right. And then when I came to grace, I, I let go, but then I grabbed for all the grace doctrine to make sure I get it right right then crap there's more grace what how am i explain this okay i'm just gonna leave my hand open god you gotta figure this out i'm just gonna enjoy the ride mystery is our best friend yeah where the law abounds grace hyper super over abounds. Yes. <laughs> whenever we grip whenever we yep. try to attach I, ourselves i move from i move from legalism to gracialism where yeah. as a grace person i judge other people for their terminology and, and we now all, listen i think all of us are 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 Easy going enough, the low, we all fall back into it time and time again. Every single one of us. I got I got a giant plank in my eye, right? <laughs> so that that's the beauty of it. But in and of that self, that draws us back into the fact that ministry, worship. What were those five things, Mike? Ministry. So it's worship, fellowship, meaning you gotta get together. Yeah. Discipleship, serving, and evangelism. Yeah. So all of those things, again, we can we can hyper like 
define those words, or we can allow those words to become this, you know, field that we're planting seeds and see what blossoms, right? We don't, we don't say worship is blah, blah, dot, dot, dot. Worship becomes everything. Evangelism becomes any good news we're sharing. You know, uh, my nephew and his wife had a baby. Great news. Beautiful, beautiful child. That's, that's giving life, to, you know, sharing that, you know, all these things start to become back to our organically effortless. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and yet they become tied and intertwined with the preeminence of Christ in all things. And, and it, we don't have to force a verse to say this, that somehow Jesus starts to entangle them with these conversations and that, and we see Christ in them, even if we don't have to articulate it for a person who's not there right now. I have some good friends that are just so brutalized and have been by legalistic Christianity in their lives that they can't even begin to have the conversation about Jesus because they're just, that's not where they're at. And yet I can sit down and have a conversation about Christ in them and never mention the name Jesus once because that's not, and yet in a second conversation, I can go deep dive on Jesus with somebody else. And that's the freedom of the Holy spirit. Right. And that's where Paul's even, I become all things to all people. Yeah. Uh, it's not about doing what they do. It's about uh, trusting the Holy Spirit in that moment, not getting self-conscious, as Richard said about, am I doing it right? And just allowing good news, the worthiness, worship, of, of unfailing love, right? The, the molding of a disciple who's interested and understand. All of these things become an organic part of the the church the big c church not the institution but the organic fellowship among believers and pre-believers as don keepley says yeah. Yeah. i find it interesting that jesus was um he didn't bash the followers of the jewish uh, faith right he he uh he didn't dismantle deconstruct what they believed he was loving and kind he he didn't say you gotta quit that and come do ours that never happened so there's something to learn about that. Maybe yeah, he participated in it. He did. And we can. That's why I don't want to, I don't want to see the two extremes where uh, people ask, do I stop going to church? Well, wait a minute. What is church to you? Is it the system you're addicted to? Or is it a place where you grow and you got great connections there? Maybe your family is all there. Great. Go. Who cares? Like you're overthinking it. Oh, shoot. Maybe that's what we're doing. We're, we're overthinking it and, and systematizing it. It's not organic. So that boils down to listen to the spirit in you. So uh, I tell some people, sure, you probably may need to leave that place because you're, you're angry every time you leave or stay because it's a great place for you. And you got lots of friends there. What certainly you don't like what they're teaching necessarily. If you're okay with it, then quit making a big deal about it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, uh, I agree. And, and, and I actually love, you know, I, I really studied Judaism. I love Judaism. And I can't say I don't have a I don't have a uh, I can't tell you why I love it. I well, yes, I can. I can tell you why I love it because I there's there's such a relational aspect, a heart aspect, a relational aspect that's that's low. That's not uh, take the stage. And I know the Pharisees, you know, did they, they weren't representative? I think of the best Jewish heart. You know, we talk about the uh, just the the nature that that uh, Abraham calling God friend. You know, mm -hmm. it's just peppered all through there how important relational faith is. And that's why I think that the Jews, that is them at their very best and Judaism and why 
they were the, you know, the soil that Jesus planted himself in was because they, they have a relational, as goofed up as it could be, as any of us are with our Christianity. You know, we're all goofed up, you know, trying to fix this and, and do it, but they so stress relationship and, yeah. and, and, and just practicality. It was a practical religion. You know, I, I, I want a God that's with me at work and a God that's with me throughout the day. And there's just the Hebrew heart. I, I was you know, the currency of the Hebrew too. heart is relationship. And uh, I've learned more about, uh, I've learned how little I know about earthly relationships because of my relationship with God, mm. you know, and mm. uh, it's, it's just so wonderful. And so, um, so just vibrant, but I learned so much from the Jewish mindset, you know, Martin Buber and uh, Franz Rosenweig and, and some of their other writers are just so incredible with what they say. I mean, I thou Martin Buber's book rocked my world as a Christian. It rocked my world because I had never thought in those terms before. Um, and uh, just under, and you know, he would talk about the realm of the between, you know, that everything in any relationship, it's not you and me. He called that an I it relationship where we're, we're just objects to each other. We treat each other like objects, but the I thou relationship was where there's a, there's a betweenness in us where there's, it's not just you and me, it's you and me together, you know, and there's all sorts of stuff going on between us. And he called it the realm of the between. And I just, I think that's so perfect, you know, for the Lord and, and what we're seeking in these organic things we're talking about with deconstruction. It's not, you know, if, if we're not careful, that deconstruction can become I it to where yeah. you just, you've separated yourself from everybody else. You, you're not believing anything and you're not, you're not, you're not doing the things you talked about, you know, the fellowshipping and the, and all that, but, you know, but the wonderful thing, wherever two of you are, Jesus, Jesus said, I'm there in the midst of you. What a, what a magnificent thing that is, you know, and what a thing that is to esteem. You talk about worship. We come together in fellowship and worship because mm -hmm. Jesus, well, is those things together. are all intimately tied with one another. They really yes, are. Yes. It's one thing. It's not five things. One thing. It's one thing. It's, it's one it's thing. different angles in the one thing. Well, even, exactly. even stopping and giving money to a person at the end of an off ramp, that's worship. Yeah. Like there is a, a light creation right there standing in front of you has the light of Christ. In them. Again, it's a prism, right? It's the diamond. <laughs> it's the diamond. It's Jesus. And when you shine light through, it may break out in different colors yeah. and shades, but it's the one essence of Christ in us. Man, Amen. I have a hunch that half of the problems of deconstruction is really overthinking, like obsessing to the but point of that's also what the institution has done to us for Yeah. Because it really, the, the, it's really, we're not obsessed about Jesus enough. It's it's about all what we don't believe now. It's it's yeah. kind of scary. It, it really can be if we're not careful. It yeah. really can be. And and I think, you know, we were we've been given these scriptures, and the, the scriptures are wonderful. But we've been taught to read them in verses and breaking down words. And <laughs> well, we're going to analyze John three sixteen for the next four weeks. And no, no. we, again, we, we were taught to overthink it, and now we're trying to undo it by overthinking it. Yeah. And at some point, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. You just said it for yeah. me. It's beautiful. And, but here's the funny thing at some point, we need to just put the Bible down, pick up the wine, and walk around the party and dance. And yeah. I think that's what Jesus is trying to tell us a lot of the time. There you go. Right? A lot of the time. It, and that's where I was going at the beginning of this thing. Some. One of my filters right now is. <laughs> it's, not, it's an umbrella, guys. It's not a bottle of wine. Sure, it is, Mike. It says today's uh, forecast: one hundred percent chance of wine. <laughs> That's good. 
one of my current filters for some of the people that I even have found most, you know, uh, helpful on the theological, on a deep thinking theological side have become people that, man, I, you need to lighten up, Francis. <laughs> right? Like, like, lighten up, Francis. Like, there's a party here. There, there's the a joke feast, a wedding wine. feast. Yes. And, and we got to get back to the wedding feast. And, and I know evangelicals who I would love to have at a wedding feast. I know a lot of them I wouldn't either. And, and, and vice versa. And, and I think that's how we can find people who are growing in the spirit of, of Christ, no matter where they are in their, you know, in their, in their path and their journey. That's how you can tell if someone's kind of, you know, do you use Richard, you know, you get the, the gutters on either side of the, the bullet. Is someone kind of headed toward the, the, the bowling pins or are they going to the basin of Christ? Are they lighthearted? Are they, are they still taking it relatively? Um, yeah. Lightheartedly. I don't have a better word. Yeah. So somebody's asking right now, where do I find those people? How would we address that? Because I, I got a response. I remember in that conference we were at when I first met you, somebody's asking the very last question, question and answer time. I'm alone. Where do I find more people like this? You find out, let me know. <laughs> okay. Well, then here, here's my response to this. Um, listen to the Holy Spirit. God will bring them to you and he'll only bring the right people. Because and we're in a place in the world now where we have the ability to connect on a larger yeah. level. Yeah. But I think even that's overthinking. There are people in your life probably right now in oh, your yeah. community that God has been wanting to put you in touch with, but your, your head's so stuck in your Bible and theology books that you haven't learned to live. And they're waiting for you to wake up and live. So yeah. I don't know. I, just, I am going to church this Sunday, by the way. That's I was good. Invited nice, to church. Nice. Um, it's called God's Rolling Thunder Church. Really? It's Keep a biker church. Well, <laughs> it's that's a biker good. church. That's good. <laughs> You know, you know, I, I think in terms of uh, we kind of blew past it, but I, I, I had a thought about whether somebody should go to church or not. Listen, here's the deal. I don't know. I have no idea whether you should go to church. That's up to you. That's between you and God. It's not the end of the world if you go. It's not the end of the world if you don't go. I'm not telling you any rule. All I'm telling you to do is, is to pray and, 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 and hear the Spirit and try to, try to hear the Spirit the best you can. Not the best I can. You hear the Spirit the best you can. And I'll back you. You know, and I maybe in understand the season it. that's going to be there. And maybe yes. in the season that's not going to be there. Yeah, There's a season yeah. for people that the people do need to leave certain churches because it's so toxic. Um, I, 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 my joke is always every church is a few funerals away from a revival. That's, that's it's true. <laughs> it's but, so true. But uh, when it comes to your, per if you're asking the question, you're asking it from a religious old lens. Because why would you ask that? I don't, I don't have people down the street asking, should I go to church? They're, that's not even their frame of mind. But you tell them, hey, they have grandkids come over. They're, they're going to put love on their grandkids. Like, that's more beautiful and more loving than some of the churches we see. So I think it's the wrong question. Yeah. Almost in a way, it's irrelevant. Yes. But I, it, 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 it's irrelevant what we do. I mean, it's, it, it's relevant what we believe. And it's relevant what we connect and that we're following the Lord the best we can hear him. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that, that's why, you know, I don't begrudge anybody. I used to say everyone needs to come out of the harlot, you know, <laughs> every time I said that boy, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing good to be found in there. It's not that. And then I just, I don't know, one day I just saw, man, that, that ain't Jesus. That's me. That's been me talking. 
And I understand, and even the Lord understood why I had to go through that for a yeah. season. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I can hardly know. You know, it's like the verse, the righteous are scarcely saved. And, and but that is the way I interpret that is we hardly know what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know. But, you know, having said that, let's have some fun. You know, mm-hmm. let's have some fun with the Lord. Let's be lighthearted. His yoke is light. We know we see dimly. We don't see, you know, we see through a glass darkly. But, OK, let's just own that and see the best we can and not not condemn and not overthink it, not self-think it you know, and not self-condemn or self-evaluate all this and just listen to the spirit. If we need to realize at the end of the day, we're not responsible for making it all work for good. We're not. Yeah. Yeah. And then how, doesn't that take the pressure off? Yes, it does. I just sent an email out to my church that we have a men's pub night. We're going to do worship or fellowship at a bar watching a hockey game together for those guys. I want to like, that was not possible in my other churches. So it's like, that's been a lot of unlearning, you know? So there's this room <coughs> for all of it. Like, yeah, I think we need to lighten up and uh, have a little more fun. Well, you know, Churchill, I've, said, I've always share this, but Churchill said, you can't deal with the most serious things in the world if you can't laugh at them. Yes. And he meant laugh. He didn't mean snicker. He meant laugh, That's you right. know? No so uh, we should encourage each other to laugh. And yeah. uh, we take ourselves too seriously. I know I did. I made a first, I the first fruit after the something. spirit. First fruit after the spirit after love is joy. And there's a yeah. reason. Uh, and, I well, thank, thanks, guys. Our time is up. That was so much fun. I hope that kind of um, – I thought I would be answering a whole bunch of questions, but the conversation made it that those questions are almost irrelevant, and I love it. So thanks, yeah. guys. That was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll do this again. All right? Always. Sounds good. All right. All righty. That was really, really fun. I'm glad you took time to listen on to, in on that conversation. Um, I, I, I love it. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's time to wrap up. I'm going to say hi to a few folks. Dan uh, says hello from Michigan, Brighton, Michigan, which is about four hours from me. Um, audio was tough on the phone. And I checked a bunch of the streaming areas and different sites. It sounds like everything is fine on our end. So it could just be the reception. Uh, I will take a look at settings. I don't want any trouble with audio or video settings and it's a technology. You just got to keep watching. So we'll try and get it right. Dan Williams. Good morning, Robert in Windsor. Good morning to you. Thanks for chiming in on this. Um, yeah, I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Hope this was encouraging and I look forward to next week's time. Um, if you're around Sunday mornings, join me Sunday mornings, uh, for Hope Fellowship's, uh, family church service. Uh, we do it online and in person. So if you want to join in and listen and see how we do things, this is, we're not trying to create a show. Um, we're just a church family that's trying to meet and some can't meet in person so we got to stream it and now we're adding everything into it so don't expect you know the polished perfection of large large churches that have staff and multitudes of volunteers to to do things we just don't have that you'd be in fact you'd laugh at how few we have so the fact that we get to do what we do with what we have is pretty cool. So uh, I'm probably more concerned about the content to make sure it's encouraging. And then uh, as we were talking about today, you know, let's, let's uh, uh, keep our connections with people uh, strong. All right. Catch you guys next time. And thanks for watching today.
Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.